I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. All right. Well, good evening. Wasn't worship fantastic tonight? As it always is. So thankful to be a part of this community. I'm so thankful to be a part of what God's doing because he's doing a lot of things. I'm, I'm so glad that God has gathered us in this time, in this Kronos to bring his Kairos into Austin, Texas. It's really powerful. Amen. Well, I told Stacy I was going to start my message with a supercharger uh, word. And she's like, you got that supercharger word? And I said, no, not really, but I can't get away from the word. So uh, I, a couple of months ago, um, I had an offer made on my truck when I went to the dealer and they, they bought my truck for what I paid for it, basically. Uh, it was two years old. And so then I got another truck and I thought, you know what, I'm going to mod this truck. So I'm getting real East Texan here right now. And I get real obsessed when I get on something, as my poor wife knows, so... Um, one time I got into landscaping and I literally turned our yard into, yeah, it was like a jungle of, it was like a paradise basically. And so I, uh, so now, right now I'm into this truck and so started modifying it. But as I started looking at it, I started watching YouTube videos of all the country boys and what they do to their trucks. And, um, one of the things they do is they like to put superchargers on their trucks and a supercharger is insane basically. You could, you could take a, a big truck like mine, it's lifted and big, and, and you could get a, a zero to 60 in four seconds in this big giant truck with a supercharger on it. And so I got kind of fascinated with it. And of course, I'm playing with the idea of getting one. I don't have one. I'd have to get permission for that one. But um, I promise I wouldn't go over 60, you know, just trying to get there in four seconds. But, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I, this Uber driver picks me up and... Uh, up north, I was having some stuff work done on the truck, and uh, he's like, hey, what are you doing? So I told him, he goes, uh, let me show you. we're driving right down Mopac, and he's like on his phone. I'm like, dude, you're going to wreck, and he's pulling up his truck, because that's what truck guys do, right? You got to show the other guy your truck, and so he's showing me. He's like, yeah, I did this, and all this stuff, and he said, I got mine supercharged, and now I'm listening, right? Because I've been on YouTube looking at all the supercharges, so I'm like, all right, you're talking my language now. Tell me about the supercharge. And so he's telling me all about it. I'm like, man, it's so expensive, too expensive. He's like, no, it's not. I said, well, tell my wife that. But anyway, supercharger, what it does is it pushes dense air down into the engine. And the engine can get more oxygen so it can burn more fuel so it can go faster. And I do feel like that God wants to supercharge what he's doing here. So that's my supercharge word. He wants to push more air he wants to push more wind of the Holy Spirit down into the engine that is Bethel Austin, and he wants to supercharge us. Amen? Because why go slow? Let's go fast. Let's go really fast. Let's have some more fun, and God's got what we need. And so that has nothing to do with my message, I don't, I don't think. Maybe it does. We'll see. But it is a word for us. God wants to supercharge you. You, you've got the engine that you need. You don't need another engine. You just need a supercharger on your engine. Amen? I heard it, that's right. And that, sounded, that sounded like an East Texan, that's right. I like that. 
Yeah, now you might get me preaching up here. We get into that, all right? So anyway, I want you, we're going to talk a little bit um, in Ephesians, as I usually do. And uh, Renee and I are working on like an eight or ten week class on that. So I don't want to go too in depth because I want you to come to our class. But I'm going to give you a little bit of some taster material here. Um, I don't know when we're doing the class. It's when we get kind of finished uh, developing it. But um, Ephesians 1 is a really, really powerful uh, passage. To me, it's, it's in the top five. It might be my top most powerful for me personally uh, passage in the Bible. But Paul in that passage, he, he starts off, I talked about it a few weeks ago when I was talking about portals and gateways and trances and all of that. But this prayer that Paul prayed, I've been studying all of his prayers, but he begins Ephesians 1 with, um, with, with praise. So he starts with praise, then he goes to prayer. And what he does in verses, I think it's 3 through 13, when you look at that in the Greek, it's one continuous sentence with no pauses or punctuation. So Paul basically has a supercharged moment of praise and he just can't stop. And so he's just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And um, you can see as he goes down through this passage, it's an amazing passage because you see the operation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working in this passage. But I want to particularly focus on um, this first part of this praise that he gives, and I want to focus on Jesus. So the Father is the source of all good things. Could I get an amen on that? Um, the Holy Spirit is the releaser of those good things, but the reason we get those good things is because those things come from and go through Jesus. Amen. He is the provider of those things. And so I want to focus on Jesus here. And when you look in this passage, um, we're going we're gonna to look at it. There's 11 times in this first little part here of Ephesians 3 through 13, in Christ or in him is mentioned 11 different times. And um, he makes a really powerful statement here about us being in Christ. So we were formerly in Adam, but now we were fallen, but now we're in Christ. We've been redeemed. And so we are not only redeemed personally, we're a part of a community that has been redeemed. So humanity has, has uh, those who've come to Jesus has been redeemed. So we're a part of this divine community of those that have been redeemed. And we have lots to give thanks for. But in this passage, um, we begin to understand that. Paul begins to release a vision of us together as these new creations in Christ. And in the, uh, the first, the verse 3, uh, I'm not going to go into that part too much, but it says, blessed in Christ with, blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. In verse 4, it says that we've been chosen Him. And in verse 5, it says we've been adopted through Him. And so I want to look at the first, I want to look in verse 7 here. We're going to look at 7 through 10. And, and guys in the, that are doing these slides, if y'all can pull 7 through 10 up, that would be great. So you can look at this passage. But it says in verse 7, it says, In Him, it's talking about in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us 
the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. So the first thing we see here is that we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. How about let's just give him a praise. Yeah, we've been redeemed. We've been bought back with a price. And then in verse 9, I want to point this out, and he lavished that on us. But in verse 9, it says that he makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. So our pur- his purpose has been made, made known in Christ. The purpose of the Father has been made known in Christ, and it's been made known to us. And this purpose is that at the fullness of time, that he is going to unite all things in him, things on heaven and things on earth. So we know that at some point in the fullness of time, there's going to be a, a cosmic event that happens that's going to unite earth and all those that know him together. And I don't totally understand what that's going to look like, but I tell you what, I'm going to be there and you're going to be there and it's going to be a party, I promise you, when this thing happens in the fullness of time. And we need to realize, though, that he's doing it, he's doing it now, actually. It's working now. So when we talk about heaven to earth, we're talking about God's purpose being released that was set forth in Christ to unite all, th- to, to unite all things to him. And so we're a part of this plan, and we're a part of this, this purpose. And so I want to just make that declaration over you that if you want to know what your purpose is, if you're wondering, what's my purpose, it's to do this. It is to unite heaven and earth. It is to bring heaven to earth. It is to be an open gateway. It is to be a portal, whatever you want to call it. It is to be an open heaven over my life in a way that begins to bring heaven to earth. And, you know, we know that, right? I'm preaching to the crowd here. We know that here at Bethel. We use that a lot. But I want us to understand that this is not just something that, was, that somebody came up with. This is something that is in the Bible, and it is God's plan, and it is purpose. And he's made this mystery known to us. He's made his mystery of this thing to us. And so I also want to say this. The quickest way as a believer to be unfulfilled is to diverge away from this purpose. Everything in your life needs to converge on this purpose to bring heaven to earth. It doesn't matter what you do, what your job is, what your occupation is, what your dreams are. What matters is that those things are lining up and aligning with bringing heaven to earth. Amen? And let's keep going in verse 11. So it says, in him we've obtained an inheritance. Somebody say amen having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Now remember, this is one sentence with no punctuation, no pauses, no breaths that Paul's releasing right here in the Greek. But we see here that in verse 11, we've obtained an inheritance through Christ. We have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. Amen. 
And it says, be to the praise of his glory. So that inheritance is to the praise of his glory. But it goes on in verse 13, and it says that um, in him, we, when we heard the truth, that we believed and we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so what, what is the Holy Spirit? He is the guarantor, or he is the down payment of this future possession. And so inheritance that belongs to us in Christ is our future. Could I get an amen? amen? And the down payment, though, is something that is in the now. So it's a down payment of the future inheritance that already belongs to us in Christ. Amen? And so it's in the down payment. I want you to hear this, guys. Of this inheritance, that is the space where revival lives. All right? That's the space that we've been given because we've got this down payment. We've got this inheritance. We've got this heaven-to-earth release of the Holy Spirit that is coming into the earth, and it's coming on us and through us and out of us. And so that is where revival lives. It's this future inheritance, the future inheritance that we can access in the present. So right now we can bring heaven to earth. And this is something that it's not just for the individual. It's something that we do together. When we, I, you, you can feel it in the room. When the room starts to come together, particularly in worship, because that's something that so represents that togetherness and that unity. When we begin to come together, the room literally changes. Amen? I mean, it can be kind of like we're just kind of moving along and trying to get there, but man, when it begins to come together in our hearts, it could be one, one phrase in a song, it, it, it gets electric. And what's beginning to happen there? We collectively begin to pull on heaven and we bring it into earth and we bring that future inheritance into the now. And so to live in revival is to live in the space of the guarantee. And it's guaranteed. I want you to hear that. Our inheritance is guaranteed. Nobody can take it away from us. Nobody can steal it. You might have a bad day. You know what? Your inheritance is safe and sound. Nobody can take it. It was granted to you and us and all of us by Jesus, and it cannot be stolen. It cannot be revoked. It, it will not be taken away. And so our inheritance, we can access it right now. And I want you to think about this, though. The down payment. So it's the down payment. What does the down payment of unlimited look like? All right, now we're talking, right? What is the down payment of unlimited? Unlimited. <laughs> That's the down payment. So listen, we can have as much inheritance as we can receive. So the, 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 it's not a problem, but the, uh, the challenge is that sometimes we're not receiving that inheritance. Our hearts aren't attuned to the Lord in a way that our focus on him in a way that we're attuned to be receiving it. But the only limitation on it is us. That was said earlier. Eddie, you said that, right? I get up here and I forget who said things. Eddie said that. I didn't plan on kind of connecting those things. But that's the truth, right? So we have unlimited inheritance available to us 
the down payment of the unlimited, which is unlimited, and I can receive as much as I possibly can take. Right? As much as I can possibly handle. Now, I do believe there's a level of God that would probably blow us up. Right? Like, we couldn't. I mean, yeah, it probably, <laughs> we're gone. Like, yeah, we're with him. But it probably would blow us up. <laughs> yeah, let's do that one. But I want to increase my capacity. I want to make sure that my heart's in the right place. I want to increase my capacity to receive more of that inheritance. I want to make sure that there aren't, I'm not allowing things to get in the way of receiving that inheritance. You know, sometimes I begin to get stressed. I used to get stressed out a lot. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to get stressed out. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let things come in. It's just not worth it because I'm just going to stand here in my inheritance. And when I get stressed out and I get pulled certain directions, I'm not experiencing the inheritance like God wants me to. And so that's important. So let me sum this little part up. So the Father, I'm just going to read this to you. I wrote this down. The Father's purpose set forth in Christ is to unite all things in heaven and earth in Christ on a cosmic scale and as a part of our inheritance as co-heirs. The down payment on that inheritance is the Holy Spirit who is here now bringing heaven to earth. So we guys have a high call and we have a high purpose. We all have this purpose together. There's no one in here that has a higher call than anyone else as a believer. Now, God gives us different roles. There's different anointings. There's different things that he gives us to do. But we are all a part of the same call. You need to know that. You may think, well, but, you know, I just kind of do this over here and I don't feel. No, you have the same call, the exact same call that anyone else in this room has. You have a high call of God on your life. But I want us to understand about something about this inheritance and about all of this. We were singing about it earlier. It was not free. It's free to us. It's freely given. But it cost Jesus everything. And you know, a few months ago, I, I talked about holiness. So I'm going to share a testimony with you, something that happened to me. I had this open vision. But before I do that, when I talked about holiness a couple months ago, I talked about holiness being this, that, that God is holy. It speaks to God being this so powerful that only he could create everything. He's a, he's a being that's not determined by anything outside of himself. So he wasn't created. He has, he has been and always will be. Let that blow you up, but it's true. And so he's completely... He's absolutely, utterly unique. He's not like anything that we've ever, he's not like anything that we could really imagine that we could create or that we could think of. God is so far beyond that. He's utterly unique and different. And um, he's this completely other, another way to think about it, he's, he's literally his own category. So God's his own category. He doesn't, he doesn't fit in any other category. He's this whole other category. Right, and so he's so different. He's so different than we could possibly ever think of, imagine. So that's really what holiness is. We think of holiness as this list of things not to do, but that's not really what it is. What holiness is stepping into that otherness of God. Now, with that, there's a lot of stuff you'll stop doing because those are things that God doesn't do. So to become holy and like Him is to step into His otherness 
into his utter goodness, into his utter uniqueness. And so that's, that's God. And so sin, if you could define it, it would be anything that goes against him, goes against his otherness, goes against his uniqueness, or is out of alignment with that uniqueness. Anything that's unholy would be anything outside of that uniqueness of God. And so to be outside of holiness is to be under the dominion of sin. So to be outside of his utter, utter otherness, <laughs> I'm going to get messed up here in a minute. I promise you I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit right now, okay? I promise you that. All right. So to be outside of that is, is uh, to, to be in the dominion of sin. So sin to God, and, and I'm painting a picture for you here. I want you to understand something. Sin to God is completely foreign. It's, it's outside of him. He's never... He, he's, he, it's, it's, it's the opposite of him. It's the antithesis of him with sin. And so God, God has no experience per se with sin. He's, he's, he's not, he's never sinned. In fact, being outside of him is, defines what sin is. Every time I get into this, it kind of blows my mind. One day I'm going to really nail it, but I'm, I'm getting there. My, I'm getting into my understanding of who God is. And so anyway, this vision that I had, this was back in probably the 90s or somewhere in there. I had a vision of the, the scene of the cross. And it was honestly terrifying watching this. It, it, uh, the, the physical part, though, wasn't what really turned me inside out when I saw this. And, I mean, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing it in my spirit, but it was like I was there watching it. And um, the intense part of it was this spiritual transaction that took place. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I saw this scene where he who, who, who knew no sin, the one who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. If you could imagine seeing this thing, that God who knew no sin, it was the very anti of who he was. It was the very opposite of who he was. Chose Jesus chose to take all the sin of all the world upon himself. And when I saw this, I screamed at the top of my lungs. I screamed and I cried. I, I, can't, I couldn't even reproduce that cry if I wanted to. And it completely undid me to see this holy God literally taking the filth of the world upon himself. He, he became sin. He had never sinned. He, he knew no sin. He had never, he, it was the opposite of who he was, and yet he took all of it upon himself and paid the price for our sin with his own blood, with his own death. And it undid me. I tell you, I, I mean, this was, I was on the floor three or four hours, and I probably screamed for an hour when I saw it. But then, kind of at the end of this undoing, I begin, began to feel I just began to sob quietly and I began to feel the love of God and just washing over me. 
And I came up and I was like, oh man, that marked me. I'm so grateful for the cross. I'm so grateful that Jesus did what he did. The price that he paid was immense. I believe that we'll spend all eternity coming into a greater understanding of that price. You know how in a service, we had it with a song where you'll get that flash of revelation in a moment. I think we're gonna, I think every moment, every nanosecond is going to be a greater revelation that hits our hearts in understanding the price that was paid for us. It was an immense price. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him, so that we could live free, so that we could live in revival, so that we could live in that place of the down payment of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. Powerful. So we can't pay a price. We can't pay that price. There's no way. Only he could pay it. Only, only he could pay this price. Only the one that was perfect and holy could pay the price for our sins. But what we can do is live a life worthy of what we've been called to. Paul said to the Philippians, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 1 Thessalonians, he said to the Thessalonians in 2.12, he says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. In Ephesians, back to Ephesians 4.1, I want to focus a little bit on this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, this is Paul speaking in prison, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. To walk worthy to the calling to which you have been called. To walk worthy to the sacrifice, the immense price that Jesus paid, that I would surrender my heart and my life to that to walk in that in a worthy way of that price that I would freely it's been freely given to me I would freely give my life back to him in surrender it's a high call that we've been called to to bring heaven to earth amen and it's a high call and God wants everything in our lives to align with that call. Everything. Everything. Everything I give to him, I freely give it. And I align everything that I'm doing, everything that I am. If I've got a business, I want to align it. If I'm working a job, I want to align it. If I'm serving others in some way, I want to align that with the kingdom. Whatever that is. Taking care of kids, align it with the kingdom. Amen. Paul even said to the Philippians, he said, uh, he talked about leaving what lies behind and pressing into the upward call. And that call is to bring heaven to earth, but really the call is to know Jesus more. And it's out of that place that we bring heaven to earth. Anybody ever heard of Bobby Connor? 
prophet here. All right, so I, I met Bobby back in, so I'm from East Texas. Bobby was from Buller, Texas, a little bitty town outside of, uh, of Tyler, Texas. And so, yeah, I like you guys. I got my East Texas crowd over here. I, li I like it. All right. Love my East Texans. That's why I got this big truck, guys, right? So, but Bobby, y'all may not know this, but you may, Bobby's got a big prophetic ministry now. He was a trick joiner. And, but Bobby, he was, a, he was a Baptist pastor, like First Baptist Bullard. And uh, I met Bobby not too long after he got uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know, I, I know pieces of the story, so I don't want to mess that up. But essentially, uh, God told him to go to a Benny Hinn crusade. Now, he's a Baptist pastor, so that's not something that a Baptist pastor would normally do. And it's one of those deals where he walks up, he didn't know where he's going, he didn't know anything, walks in, like, He's going places through security that, you know, he shouldn't be able to get through and all this stuff. And somehow gets on stage. Benningham prays for him. I, I don't know everything that happened there. Bobby goes back to his church and all this Holy Spirit stuff started happening. And this prophetic gift started happening. And it was amazing. So he would do these, um, I think there were Sunday night meetings. So we were about 45 minutes away. We'd all drive over there. And we were amazed because we were the charismatic church and we're in this Baptist church with this Baptist pastor and his prophetic gift was incredible. It was like phenomenal. Uh, I, I ended up pastoring Palestine Church through a prophetic word that was released through him in one of those meetings. The guy that, I, that was leading the church, it was like this confirmation that he was supposed to go do this Bible school. I mean, it was just crazy stuff happening with, with Bobby. And, um, and so uh, Bobby said something um, on a podcast recently that just shook me up, honestly. I, I, could, I can't, and I still can't get away from it. And um, he said, uh, we become way too familiar with a God we, we barely know. <clears throat> when he said it, I was like, whoa. We can become familiar with God in a way that we're not pressing in to know him more. We, we talk about him, we hear about him. It's all good, it's not bad, but there's something that can get in kind of the, the repetition of, of doing church. And we just, we get familiar. We get familiar with the songs. We get familiar with the format. We get familiar with what we're doing. We, we have our routine. And so we just, we kind of get in this mode and we're, it's not like we're doing bad things, but there's something that, that we can begin to lose in it if we're not encountering God in, in a fresh way. If we're not saying, God, I want to know you more. See, we should all come in here hungry for encounters because it's in the encounter that I know him more. The encounter, it's not just a manifestation of something. It's not like, oh, well, there's a person on the floor. No, that person's having an encounter with Jesus that's changing their life. That person is having an encounter that enables them to bring uh, heaven to earth. And so I think it's important to understand that God doesn't want us to become so familiar with him and so familiar with what we're doing for him that we don't actually know him the way that we can know him. And, and here's the reality. I know him, you know him, but you're talking an infinite God. I don't want to be satisfied with where my relationship is. 
I mean, the moment in any relationship you're satisfied with where that is, what happens? It begins to get stale, right? But we don't want a relationship to God to be stale. We want to be pressing in to know him more. So no matter where you are in your walk with God, I want to say there is always more. There's an unlimited supply of knowing God. And so I don't want to become familiar with the spot I am to the point that I'm not hungry anymore for him. I don't want to be just kind of getting a drip when God's saying, hey, I've got a table for you, right? Sometimes I can get satisfied with with the little drip that, that I've got, and it's good, it's God, it's awesome. But God's saying, wait a second, I've got a whole table. I've got so much for you. If you'll just, be, if you'll get hungry and you'll step into the more. And I believe that aligning, I believe, I believe living worthy of the sacrifice and the high calling is to know him. It's to just know him. That's what it is. And then out of the knowing him, then comes being obedient to him and just saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do today? And that, that is aligning with the high call of God. That is aligning with the sacrifice. That is aligning to that which to which we have been called, which is to unite heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. So I want to just kind of put it in our language. We, we can conceptualize revival. Um, we can have revival language. We can know the history. We can read the books. We can talk about it. But are we, just, are we familiar with it to the point that we're not experiencing it to the level that God wants us to experience it? I don't want to be satisfied as a church with where we are. God's doing tremendous things here. I love it. I love being a part of it. But there's always more. I've seen a lot of churches that were on the edge, the cutting edge of what God was doing and pressing into revival, and they're not anymore. Something happened where they, 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 got, they got kind of settled in. They love Jesus. They're walking with him. But the power the power's not there like it was. Now, it's available. You can step right back into it, but you've got to get hungry for it. And so we shouldn't think that because we have something that if we don't keep pressing for more that we'll, we'll stay, that it'll stay fresh. Amen? Know Jesus more. You know, one time, and worship team, y'all can go ahead and come back up, but one time I was on a, well, Stacy and I moved to, uh, to New York City. She was talking about it a week ago, and it was, um, it was a challenge for us. It was a, it was a big thing. My kids were young. We had like half the money that we needed to live there. So we really stepped out in faith. We had a major prophetic word and all these confirmations. And, and uh, it was right after 9-11. And I remember, I remember moving my, I remember being on a subway train. And family was at home. They had just got there. And I'm on this train. And I'm by myself. And I'm surrounded by all these people. I'm literally surrounded by people. And we were following God. That's why we were there. I mean, you know, you visit there, you think you'd want to live there? <laughs> uh, let me tell you, that is one intense place. Um, I would, I mean, yeah, if you had about a billion dollars, it'd be great. But um, it, it was, it was, it's just a difficult place to live. People are on the edge. And, um, and again, I love it. I love to go back there. I love to take teams. My daughter lives there right now. And, uh, but anyway, so I'm on the subway train and thinking, man, what did I do? You know, it's, it's kind of like you, God calls you to do something and you, man, you, you do it. And then there's kind of this after effect when nobody else is around. <laughs> I 
don't know if you've ever been there. It's kind of like, it's exciting, you know, going in in some ways, even though it's hard. And then you're by yourself. And really, for us, we were coming from East Texas, like a foreign, very foreign place. If you can, They don't have big trucks there, put it that way. So we were like, wow, this is... And I'm on this train, and we're, you know, it's stressful. Like, there's just, there's an intensity sometimes when you obey God. And there's, 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 a, there's a price to align with the call, right? And so we're not paying for salvation, but, but there are things that it costs you. There are things that it costs you to align with that high call. But, but it's worth it. Paul said also in the Philippians, he said, I, I count it all but, but dumb. It doesn't matter compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. And so I'm on this train and I'm alone. I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I do to my family? Some of our family was like, you're crazy. I can't believe you did this. Like, why would you move to that city? But I'm on this train, the subway train, and I'm under, we're underground, and I'm literally just surrounded by people. And suddenly I felt Jesus sit down next to me. He didn't say anything. He was just there. And I knew in that moment that that everything was going to be fine because Jesus was right there. And I began to know him in a way that I had not previously known him. And it was in that place of surrender. It was in that place of God, here's as a family, here's our life. We'll follow and do what you call us to do. We'll align with this high call that you have on our life. We align with it right now. And in that moment, Jesus sat down next to me and he was just there. And it was almost, it was better he didn't say anything because we rode a subway car together and it changed everything in my heart just knowing he was there. It didn't mean that we didn't face difficult things as we lived in that city. We also saw God do glorious things because he was with us. We aligned ourselves with him. And I want to say tonight, why don't we stand? What is God speaking to you right now where you need to align? Where you need to align up with the call that you have been called to. To unite heaven and earth. To get in on God's purpose and plan. What do you need to do to align with that? So Holy Spirit, we thank you that we live in this down payment. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're calling to our hearts. We thank you that you are the one that helps us to align with heaven's reality. That you are the one that gets our hearts and our life in the right place that we can receive that unlimited down payment that you bring to us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross. And we thank you, Father, that you gave all these blessings to us. We thank you for the price that was paid. God, I pray as a church, we would find the joy of surrender. We would find the joy of laying our hearts down before you and saying, Jesus, it's all yours. Everything I am, 
Everything I have belongs to you. So what's God speaking to your heart tonight? This is a corporate moment, but it's also a personal moment. What is he saying to you? I want you to listen just for a moment. And if some of you need to begin to respond in some way, you can do that. But I want us to, I want us to sing this song again. There's so much power on it. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.